Welcome to the Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Megan. And I'm Deidre. Yeah, so today we're going to have a discussion starting now about, (laughs) um, I was actually thinking about the idea of risk and creativity and what that looks like because anytime that we see like graphics for different Enneagram types, you know, like the four is supposed to be the creative and Mm -hmm. ones are supposed to go walk in nature when they need to relax. And we don't fit either of those stereotypes. Um, So I want to talk about that because I think it's a good follow-up to some of the conversations we've been having about fear and risk-taking because I think creativity involves a certain amount of risk. And just wanted to look at that, maybe not by, you know, from type to type to type, but like in a broader conversation. Is it weird that when you said, I want to talk about creativity, I thought, well, that's really boring. Like that (laughs) shouldn't probably be my first instinct with the word creative. Well, because I think you immediately go to that stereotypical, like you're sitting in a garden and drawing (laughs) photos of the flowers that you're looking at, or, you know, we're crafting. I know we always hit up the crafters, but like, we're not those types of creative people, but there are other types of creativity that I think, um, involve risk. So the same thing as it is to like paint a picture and then put it out there for the world to judge. Um, I don't know. I was a dancer, so I would choreograph things and then, you know, people are looking at it or, um, my daughter writes a lot of poetry and spoken words. And so you put those out there. That's your words for people to judge. It's not, for me, it was different even as a singer singing a song that someone else wrote and I memorized and performed it because those, they weren't judging. They might've been judging my performance of it, but they weren't judging me as an artist, as a creative. And I think that that is just another level. So there's a lot of ways that we all endeavor to be creative, uh, even if it's not artistic. I'm just, I thought it'd be an interesting conversation. I mean, I'm game to hear your thoughts on it all. I know, like, I was trying to decide when creative became like a boring sounding word to me because I remember being little and taking those right brain, left brain tests at school. Um, and I had a teacher who was all into it. And I remember scoring really high on right brain. And I was like, yeah, I'm a creative and I'm not analytical at all. And so I like English and art and I don't like math. And somewhere along the line, I started rejecting the idea that I liked any kind of creativity, but probably, probably because I know that I'm not artsy. Mm-hmm. I'm not like good at painting or drawing or any kind of design. Yeah. Like I don't want to journal in different color pens. That doesn't excite me. So I assume that the label artistic does not apply to me, but I love to be in a dance studio and improv and create movement out of nothing. Like, so isn't that artistic? Yes. But also I just remembered that my 13 year old found my journal from college the other day and brought it to me. And I had like collaged the whole front and back of it and inside. And I had a different pen and I used to do that a lot. (laughs) Okay. So I think for me where I lost that label was somewhere in adulthood when I just had a lot of kids and jobs and responsibilities and bills and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I let that whole side of myself go. Cause it, it was like function what form over function or the other way around function over form. I don't know. It was like, I had to figure out how to just be and to get through every day and all of the things that were required. And I let that side of myself go that was willing to be curious and to explore and to do something 
for the sake of loving it and not just for the productivity that came out of it. Um, so I think I could really clearly say there was just a season like mid twenties where I just let a lot of those things go. In fact, when you and I first started really becoming friends, cause you read a lot and I was like, I have not read a book in so long. And when I was like in junior high and high school, that's all my mom would find me doing was reading. And so that year I committed to reading. And I remember I read like this t- 12 book series or something. I don't know how oh, many. It was like 23 books then. And it's like over 30 now and you've stopped them and I have continued them and they just keep getting worse and worse. Just worse and worse. But I read like those first 23 books yeah. in probably the first three months of that year, because that January I was like, I'm committing to allowing myself to enjoy, even if it's someone else's creativity, but just the fact that it's not productive, but allowing myself to dream again and to think again and to have space again, that's not just about checking off boxes. Um, So that was, oh gosh, how long ago was that? Nine or 10 years ago, at least? Maybe. Yeah. So if we're counting reading as a form of creativity, then I'll embrace that because I like to read a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Would you like to admit something on air, Megan? (laughs) (laughs) Like I read five books in a 48 hour period last weekend. Or yeah, I think this is, I think there's creativity and then there's compulsion <laughs> or I think I'm on book like 131 for the year so far and I have to oh look my at my gosh. Pinterest, oh my which gosh. is the only reason I keep a Pinterest board, by the way, it's not for the arts and crafts. I do have boards for arts and crafts and there it's literally labeled things I'll never make. Yes, of course. <laughs> I just know myself. Things I will look for someone else to make for me or see if I can buy them directly from Hobby Lobby. (laughs) I will always pay someone else to be creative. Um, I'm on book 137 for the year, by the way. I just checked. My goodness. Okay. So I don't know if reading in and of itself is what I would consider creative Uh, in the way I was talking about it. It was more like giving myself permission to just get into that headspace again, where I could be lost in a story sit on the couch and not feel guilty about it, you know, just do something like that. Um, so it kind of opened that back up for me a little bit. Cause even dance at that point had just become like another thing I had to get done and it didn't feel like a creative outlet. Mm. Um, yeah. Interesting. So, so you're four, but you reject right. like the creative label. Well, only that's interesting. I'm not, I'm not artsy. What <laughs> you're laughing at yourself because fours just kind of reject labels anyway, but oh, I get so it. I get it. At me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I'm not, I don't have like actual artistic talent whatsoever. I mean, I think everybody probably knows at this point that we hired a graphic designer to do my Instagram graphics because I'm just so amateur at it. And she's lovely and amazing, but so busy that I decided to try my own series and it took me entirely too long. And I still don't think it's very good. And that is exactly why I'd rather pay someone else to do artsy things for me. Um, So yeah, I reject it because of that. But you're right. I mean, there are other ways to be creative. And if I can't count reading, I guess I can count writing. Uh, Yeah, you wrote a novel. I think that's pretty creative. once. (laughs) Well, that's that's a lot more than most people do in a lifetime. (laughs) And you've written a thousand, you've written a thousand other things that were free form and poetry and, uh, blogs that took an artistic perspective on an element of your life. Yeah. I think that's a pretty creative outlet, but what about the people that don't dance or paint or sing or write? Like I have a good friend that, uh, she was a payroll specialist and her, like 
creating spreadsheets that had macros and had automation or just or just automating a system that wasn't before like that she would just like lay awake with ideas it would just spark this these all these ideas in her head and so it wasn't just about the numbers but it was the way that she saw the numbers and the flow and the progress and i feel like that was her creative outlet you know That's kind of cool yeah or like your sister-in-law who can design a space and that's mm-hmm. where her creativity can really shine is in like interior design and yeah. seeing the possibilities there. Like just looking at a wall and going, oh, well, you could put this picture up or you could do this and this and this and this and then put this pop of color. Like she sees all of that, yeah. you know? Um, so Meanwhile, I wander through Target and I'm like, I don't know what to buy for my new space. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a shelf. Let's put a a little plant on it. That's kind of what we do. Yeah. Um, well, my husband, I don't know if everybody knows that his name is Paul. So I wasn't just going to say Paul, I just wanted to give some context, but he, (laughs) he's really good at looking at something that's broken or just trash or just whatever and recycling that into something like he, our garage, (laughs) it is his own workspace out there, but he doesn't get rid of anything because he like these chunks of styrofoam, it can be something great one day, you know, like he just sees it as, as this potential. Um, so yeah, I don't have that mind for those kinds of things, but what, <laughs> what keeps us from that though? So one of the reasons that we, um, lose curiosity is fear, right. Or, or we just, um, like here, I can push your button on this. Like why does the current education system <laughs> not foster curiosity? Well, why don't they or how don't they? Both, either. Well, they don't because they get stuck inside the red tape bureaucratic system of the 100-year-old education system that was set up by an agrarian society, you know, way back when the other turn of the century. And it was like rote memorization and there was a finite set of things to know to survive in the world. And you learned that, you regurgitated it, and you went about your day. And we know that the world has changed and there's, we have so much access to information now that there's no way to memorize what we need to memorize to just be a successful functioning adult. And what we need to know now are all the soft skills and the fostering creativity and the collaboration and communication and all of the things that we need to thrive now. And the school system is still stuck in that old mindset where they can't get past how it's always been done to change into what the 21st century is demanding. Now, the why has to do with the red tape and the bureaucracy, but also just a really stuck mindset of we've perfected the old system. I mean, some places think they have. Therefore, it would be too difficult to change because when you start bringing in creative ways of teaching people, creativity breeds messiness, right? Mm -hmm. Chaos. It's, there's, there can't not. You can't control it. Yeah, you can't control it. And there's not this one standardized test that can measure it. And yeah. Although the problem for so many students, like there are some that will do okay in that way the system is set up. Sure. Because they do know how to memorize and regurgitate and all of that. All you ones, you're good at succeeding in that because you're like structure liberates, right? Like you, you understand how to do that there. Not that you couldn't thrive better in a different environment, especially like looking at you totally. But in that one, you're like, I know the rules, I can abide by them and I'll be successful. Right. But what do you do with a child that is um, not testing well, but if you gave them another way to assess them, 
they would thrive. But because they don't have that, they've had how many years? So they're, you know, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade of seeing a lot of red marks, a lot of Fs, a lot of hard studying for something that they didn't pass. um, And they begin to give up. And that sense of giving up then shuts down that creativity because it hasn't um, been rewarded in the past. Right. Or even if you, oh, go ahead. Well, this might, it's a little off topic, but just, I was thinking about just those at the littler the kid is, and the more it just starts reinforcing it's their own perception about themselves or own belief about the world around them, no matter what they're encountering. I was just thinking about this uh, friend of ours who posted, she's a occupational therapist and she posted something on Facebook about how she was in a conversation with a parent about a kid. And the parent was like, well, you can see they're, they're trying to do their best. And she was like, well, I've never seen a kid not really trying to do their best. Yeah. And it's so true. And you, especially those, the littlest ones, you know, I have a really precocious seven-year-old and she gets negative points on her, yeah. you know, yeah. daily, whatever checks at school and has for several years, but she's fun and vibrant and loves people and loves learning, but isn't super great at remembering when to raise her hand or, you know, that kind of thing. Like, but all it's doing is reinforcing that she's not doing it right. Yeah. So I don't know, some of that's frustrating and I don't know where the limit is between letting kids be who they are, their creative selves in whatever expression that looks like versus how do you interact in a community, you know? Yeah. I, well, I think that obviously, I mean, we do have to train kids and that type of discipline is different than just for punitive purposes. Like if we're, yeah. if the discipline is only about you did it wrong, here's the consequence. You did it wrong again, here's the consequence. It just repeatedly reinforces that belief that you're wrong or you're not, or you're too yeah. much or you're not enough or whatever the, the um, way that they're going to hear it will reinforce to them. Um, but if we are encouraging them, like you are, you're trying so hard. Let's do it like this next time, you know, or, um, and I'm not, I'm a parent and I've been a teacher and I haven't always done this right. So I get, it's also just exhausting to work with little kids all day long, <laughs> yeah. but believing the best about them, that they are coming to right. try and that, that they're, they want to learn. Like, is there a kid who just doesn't want to learn? No, it's, it's hardwired into them. Are some slower to emerge than others? Yes. Are some more precocious than others? Yes. Are some, uh, struggling with a learning disability? Yes. But none of that is a result of them just not wanting to be there. And even the ones who look like they don't want to be is only because what else have they already endured? What have they already lived through? And um, I think that just gets to the heart of what we talk about, whether you're a kid or an adult, like what's the story that you've lived through? What, What has brought you to be who you are to this day? Because you've survived some things, but that survival often doesn't really make you thrive. It makes you shut down parts of yourself that you found were too difficult to show to the world or too, uh, much, not enough or too much, not right, you know, for whatever. And this isn't all about the school system. I mean, parents and siblings and everybody else that we encounter in life reinforces this belief system that we have that makes us less and less and less willing to risk, but also to part of that risk is curiosity. You know, if you get your hand slapped enough for reaching out to touch something, you're going to stop reaching out to touch something. So you right. stop being curious about it. And I think um, when we look at like uh, growing up with any kind of trauma, that's another thing that inhibits that because you just begin to shut down and go into safe mode. So there's a willingness to risk failing if you know there's a safe place to land. But if you don't know that that's there, then you're a lot less willing to take the jump, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's scary. 
we didn't start this conversation by defining what we were talking about. And we have the last few episodes, mm-hmm. um, like when we were talking about anxiety or self-care. But I think what you're saying, and maybe our whole rant about the education system, is a definition that is talking about creativity as showing up with the full expression of who you are. Yeah, I think so. Or at least risking presenting what you've created to the world around you. Or even when people create something, it's an expression of who they are, right? When uh, we see the most creative people, if they're putting out a choreographed dance or if they're putting out artwork or a novel, it's an expression of who they are. So when we're showing up as our full expression, whether that's in spreadsheets or the way we get people to organize a game together or um, however we're showing up, I think that's creativity. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And it makes me think about when I would choreograph, a lot of it was about the symmetry or or asymmetry. If it balanced the lines (laughs) and the movement and the lines, um, as I got a little more um, free in my own body, I could do more that was improvisational. That was like um, not as much about the lines as it was about where it was coming from and that internal place, like, you know, bringing it out of the, (laughs) you're looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm just saying at first it was like the lines, you're like dancing as you're telling me about it. (laughs) Well, like at first it was like the lines should be like this and the arms should be like this. And then later it was more about like, no, it's coming from this place and it's radiating out and it's tasseling the leg behind you. And, and, but I had to get freer to understand that beauty wasn't just about the lines, but it was an expression of who I was. So as you yourself we're finding places to be more unlocked so then your creative expression shifted as well. Yes. Yeah, for sure. But then my body got old and so it inhibited, <laughs> it inhibited the expressivity to the other person. But <laughs> Okay. So you don't choreograph dances anymore, but you still find ways to express who you are. Where does that come out now for you? Um, I'm not going to say writing because you're going to be like, huh, you don't do that. But what? totally. Anytime I do write something, I feel like that's an expression of who I am. But I really think it's just more about communication, um, helping someone else get unlocked, probably. Well, the way that you preach and speak and coach, that's an expression of who you are for sure. And I don't like, why isn't that, that can be considered creativity, right? You're crafting together a message for someone. You're crafting together a conversation and you know how to make it flow into the places it needs to go to unlock places in people's hearts. Yeah. I think it's that conversation when I'm having with someone where you're finding what that rhythm looks like, you know, what that flow looks like, what you can say to unlock them to reply or respond in a way that helps open them up more. Um, So yeah, probably that is where mine has shifted over the years. It's much more sedentary. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's, now it's behind a computer screen and not on stage dancing around. Yeah. Pretty much legs flailing about as if independent from their body. Yeah. No, well, that was never me anyway, but yes. (laughs) to get a friend's quote in there. <laughs> uh, some I do stand a lot, but that's mostly just because my back hurts too much to sit <laughs> for long. So <laughs> not quite the same. Where do we go from here? I was just going to ask that exact question. Well, um, I mean, we've already ahead. decided that it can't, re- it's not really by type, but right. I'm guessing that like fours that are going to be creative, their creativity is going to be more centered around the feelings Mm. that are evoked from what they present, right? Whether that's through whatever, like it 
whatever means where like as a one, it's like, how can I make things better? <laughs> Let me make you better. I'm going to do that by this, you know, I'm going to make the space better by this. Uh, and where twos might be, their creativity might be much more about how they are serving the world around them or connecting people together. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting too, that ones and twos that both share a line with fours probably should understand how to tap into that creative expression more because it's going to take care of you in those stress places or for a two in that security space, uh, just choosing healthier patterns. But I don't think creativity is only limited to ones, fours, and twos. Like you said, I think every time I think, I don't know what number your friend is who does all the spreadsheets, but you know, if I had to guess a five that enjoys organization and structure, right. You know, they have those creative expressions too. So, and like, I'm thinking of nines right now, nines who find it so hard just to show up, just showing up sometimes might be that expression of creativity needed in that space at that moment. Or they are very deeply creative, but it just takes more to show it to the world. You right. know, like I had no idea my son was interested in music until he went and declared a major at school. And I was like, what? Where has this worship? Where has this been all your life? But he, he probably didn't feel confident enough to show up with it versus like my child who's a three who she didn't care if she could sing on pitch or not when she was little. She was saying all the time as loud as she could. And so, you know, yeah. the difference between them, they both had this music in them, but one was more willing to put it on display. And the other one was, had to really have it drawn out of him. Or, you know, I know eights who they have a, they have an end game in mind and they know how to backtrack and get to every single step along the way. And they have this whole, you know, football like master out. Coaching. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> and when they, they the, how, that's totally a creative expression because they can like uh, chart it backwards to figure mm-hmm. out exactly what you need to do to reach this end goal. Like I can't think that way. That's a creative expression that doesn't come very naturally to me. Or we have a friend that's a seven who puts googly eyes on all of the bottles in the refrigerator <laughs> <laughs> just to make other people laugh. But that's expressive. I would never think of like, oh, the milk jar and the ketchup bottles need googly eyes stuck to them. So my the, mom laughs tomorrow. <laughs> the milk jar? What era? Milk jug. Milk jug. Sorry. <laughs> Get your little glass bottles delivered to your back porch there. Yeah, no, we didn't do that. My dad was cheap. We got to the shop and save brand or whatever was cheap. I think I think we were a little, at least I am a little too young for milk deliveries. Well, I have a friend that still does that, um, but I think it's more of a status symbol. Oh. I didn't say that. It's fine. I'm sure they don't listen to this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but I mean, if you really like milk, I guess it's better. I sure. don't really like milk. It's just like as something to put in a recipe if I need it, you know, so. Recipes, bakers, cooks. Oh, yeah, cooking for sure. I, that is something I don't understand. When when people are asked, like I can't tell you some of the podcasts I listen to, how often they will ask someone like, what's just something you'd love to do? And they'll be like, cooking. And I'm like, what? Why? <laughs> That's just, it's so pedestrian. And it's just, <laughs> there's just dishes and it's messy and people just eat it fast. I, that's just not something I understand. I like baking and I oh. like playing with recipes to see what works and what doesn't. But I, I was always such a picky eater that cooking never was really fun because I didn't understand flavors. Like I wanted everything to have the same flavor and I wanted it to be what I liked. Oh yeah. But since we've been getting hello fresh meals, which doesn't really involve any creative expression on my part whatsoever, they put flavors together that are so good that I'm like, Ooh, maybe I can try messing with this now a little bit. I still don't like the actual act of cooking. So I don't like cleaning up or chopping things. Right. 
But it is, that is such a creative thing that someone can go pairing this flavor with this flavor and these opposites together. Like somebody is doing that behind the scenes, you know, then that's very, very cool. I think it is so creative. It's just never something I consider as something I want to attain to. Isn't that terrible? I feel like I'm a bad mom, wife, mother. Is that a female thing? That's your (laughs) one lens going, I don't like this, therefore, but I should. So something is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) This is me. I honestly cannot wait until my last child graduates. And And you're just going to take out every night. We're just going to do one meal a day like the old people do and then eat off my bowl of chili for the weekend. You know, like I just, I never want to cook. I cannot talk about Evans at 4 p.m. Well, I don't know about Evans, but yeah, like I can't tell you the number of times someone in my family dares to ask me what we're having for lunch or dinner. And I'm just like, why? Why do we always have to eat? Why do all of you people all need meals all the time? I know it's ridiculous. And when they're off from school and they want like three meals a day. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Ash was making himself fried eggs by like five. <laughs> it's just like, I'm over this. I'm done. You're the fifth child. Figure it out. <laughs> Our microwave is like one of those above the stove ones. So I just taught Kaylin the other day how to microwave her own stuff. And I was like, I think this just opened up a whole new world for us. <laughs> it's so true. Well, here's how my oneness gets around this. I make a meal plan, type it up, put it on the oh my gosh. fridge. We don't always follow it on the day I assign it, but I try to, because like, especially when everyone's home, everybody has different nights they're home and I want all of them to help cook. And so my creativity is by delegating the duties that I hate. He said duties. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know you think it's weird that also part of that list is who gets the washer and dryer on which days, but that is just something when there's seven people in a house and there's only seven days a week. <laughs> Structure liberates. I appreciate your creative expression within the confines of the structure that liberates you. (laughs) I don't know if it liberates anybody else here, but it liberates me from doing all their laundry. So, (laughs) or from dealing with them fighting about whose date, whose turn it is to use the machine or how somebody left something in the washer and now they have to move it, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, see that, but see what I'm saying? These Uh things, adulting, parenting. That's what killed my creativity. And so now I don't think we can call that creativity. That is just what it takes to referee a household, (laughs) keep people alive. That's what I consider cooking. Cooking is just keeping the people alive that I need to water every day. You know, it's like plants, but like children, I just, I have to do certain things to keep them alive. And apparently feeding them is part of that. So that does not feel like a creative endeavor. It feels like a huge obligation. That's true. So but when they get all excited about like, Ooh, Nana's going to cook for us. I'm like, what? I cook for you. And they're like, not with so much love. You don't. <laughs> or flavor. <laughs> but here, okay. Here, here's my creative thought on that. That might not be giving you energy. So if we're thinking of creativity as something that brings us energy somehow. Oh yes. Like a recreative that, thing. That does not bring you energy, but the way you approach it is the full expression of who you are to make it like, um, maintainable for you. So I still feel like there's a creative expression in that. I'm not going to show up to meal. Well, any kind of meal thing the same way, because I don't plan or prep or go to the grocery store or basically anything like that. Um, so none of that gives me energy either. So I don't know, like, does creativity have to bring us energy or is it simply the way we're expressing ourselves into whatever the situation is? Well, 
if we were going to break down, you know, the Latin word, the probably we are recreators. So I think any way that we model and shape our world is a recreative fashion. Like I do like two, three, four steps down from how my mom cooked. (laughs) I I recreate that model in my home. (laughs) No, but like if God made us in his image, we, we all have, he is a, he is a creator. He is a creative. And so I do think that we set about to recreate in a lot of ways. Um, And sometimes that looks like recreation that actually energizes us and brings us you know, energy back. And sometimes it's just about recreating a pattern that sustains life, right? Like, yeah, I just found this really good definition that says creativity is defined as the tendency to generate or recognize ideas, alternatives, or possibilities that may be useful in solving problems, communicating with others and entertaining ourselves and others. I like that it kind of is all encompassing right there. So So like approaching food for some people, that is going to bring them energy because they enjoy the the actual creativity about it. For me, I'm re- I'm creating a pattern to solve a problem. I have to feed people, and so this is how we're going to go about doing that. <laughs> right. So it's not so it's not always going to bring you energy just because you approach something in your creative expression. Yeah, that's good. I like that. We should have started this podcast with that definition. <laughs> you all should have. We'll tell you to start at this minute mark, and then you can go back and listen from there. Well, I'm still going to go back to my theory on all of this is that there's something that we're risking when we stay curious about life, which yeah. ultimately is what releases creativity, at least true to whatever that is true to ourselves. Like, but, but part of the reason I don't like cooking is probably I messed it up a few times and realized I didn't do it right the first time. And so I just gave up because I didn't want to do it wrong. So it's just a lot easier to say I'm not a good cook than to set up an expectation that maybe I am and someone be like, that's gross, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll deal with that in another session. But the point is... <laughs> with your therapist. <laughs> there's probably a lot of people who could have been artistic, but maybe in kindergarten, they were told they drew outside the lines and don't do that, Aww. you know? I'm not saying that was me, although it probably was me because I I only drew inside the lines or I threw it away. I think that's kind of crazy. My mom like never thought she was artsy and she started painting just kind of for fun when I was like a teenager. So she was well into her forties probably. Mm -hmm. And she still paints and she did portraits of all the grandchildren that while slightly creepy to have hanging on my wall, like look remarkably like our children. It's kind of strange. I know. I just saw a new one she posted today that was a a uh, like beach landscape that was oh that was beautiful amazing. it was beautiful she also is working on one of Santa right now that I don't want in my house because Santa? I think it will keep me awake at night yeah yeah no I was no, like no. mom that's creepy and she's like what he's jolly I'm like okay <laughs> tomato tomato <laughs> well even jolly old men aren't don't need to be hanging on my wall <laughs> sorry Kathy <laughs> But you're very talented and we appreciate that you became creative in your forties. <laughs> it's true. So many people, I've got, um, my friend that was like, almost, I think she was already married when she's like, you know what? I want to learn how to sew and knit and do these things. And she knits beautiful things and like takes homemade things to people's wedding showers and baby showers. And she oh, yeah. would not have been someone who you would have thought was creative at all as a young person or teenager. And I think that's why, because she maybe wasn't good at something she learned one time in an art class that she assumed that about herself, but she's very analytical. And so she taught herself how to measure and how to put it together and how to count the, the things. And that became something 
something that actually ended up being soothing to her and bringing her life. Cause while she was sitting at soccer games for all weekend long with her kids, you know, she could be doing something that she felt was productive and something that like she could count. So she's like counting the stitches and everything. And so she didn't set about to do it because she needed a creative outlet as much as she felt like it was something she could conquer and figure out and do, but it's become creative for her. Yeah. They're beautiful uh, Mm -hmm. expression of that. So I guess what we're saying is you be creative however you want, take a risk, be willing to fail and let yourself show. Well, if you're trying to wrap this up, I was going to say, do you, I'm going to put this in the show notes because I can't remember it off the top of my head and I don't want to pause this to go find it. But did you ever read the Matched Trilogy by Ali Condi? I think I did when the girls were reading that. I want to say it's Ali Condi. I'll have to look all that up, but it's all about creative expression. It's like Mm -hmm. this dystopian trilogy, but there's this one thing where they talk about like writing music and what that is and how you write this. Oh, I'll have to find the quote and I'm going to put it in the show notes because it's so beautiful um, with this expression. And then I, I don't know, something else I was reading the other day that talked about how art is, takes up space, but music takes up time. Like something about art, art fills the space, but music fills the time or something like that. I thought that was cool too, but I don't remember where that was from. So I'll have to do some research for that. That's cool. I feel like wrapping this up with the good old Cindy Lauper song. What? Your true colors. That's Cindy Lauper. Is it not? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it is. I listened to the Justin Timberlake, Anna Kendrick version of that. Yeah. No, no, no. It, it was originally Cindy Lauper, but I show, no us, show us your true colors world. Show up. <laughs> And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We're on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries, and our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace. And you can join the conversation in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash team DGM. For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org. For information and pricing about individual coaching sessions, and we even offer virtual and in-person staff training opportunities for your organization. You can also follow me on Instagram at Enneagram Megan. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast at dauntlessgrace.org. And while you're there, check out our retreat for this November 2021 in Colorado. We have registration live and we would love to see you there.